Amen. Grab a seat. Welcome to worship. We are so grateful that you are here today. We wanted to draw an event tonight in the Robinson Teaching Theater at 7 p.m. The title of the program is called Across the Spectrum, Gun Control, Mass Shootings, and Faith. It's a panel discussion with Whitworth faculty and staff. We would encourage you all to come and learn about this incredibly difficult, tri tricky topic in our nation right now, and we'd love for you to come and join in that discussion. Please now prepare your hearts for worship and join me in prayer. Lord God, we are so grateful for the sun beaming down upon us today, for the reminder that you are a God of light, and in you there is no darkness at all. And so this day we come to you recognizing those dark places in our own spirits, those places where we have been quick to judge, harsh in our words, where we have not forgiven where we have led with our own selfish desires and we look to you to shed your light, your gracious light upon our souls this morning. We hear these words from Paul in Ephesians and we ask that you take them and move within our own spirits this morning. Let no evil talk come out of our mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear, and for us to not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were marked as a seal for the day of our redemption, but put away from all of us bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, and together with all malice, help us to be kind to one another, tender-hearted forgiving each other as God in Christ has forgiven us. We ask this day that you make us to be imitators of God as beloved children and to live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God the Almighty. We ask all these things in your precious son's name. Amen. Amen. Oh, it's so good to be together, to worship God, to take a breath, a pause in the middle of, I know things are getting crazy with school these last couple of weeks, to pause and say, let's just recenter on what's most important. Let's remember what brings us together. Let's remember where our true hope is. And so good to do that as a group together. It's fun, fun. I always look forward to every Tuesday, Thursday to be with you all. Hey, so this is actually our last normal uh, chapel sermon on Tuesday because the next three, three chapels, Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday, we're going to be having three different candidates coming in for the campus pastor for uh, discipleship and residence hall ministry. They'll be here. They'll give a 10-minute sermon at each of those, those services. So a little different thing coming up, and we'll be excited for you to get to know them and also give us feedback. We'll have an, you have an opportunity to be able to do that online as we uh, discern and pray and seek who God will be bringing to us to be part of this team next year. I'm really looking forward to that. We have three really strong candidates. All three are wonderful. As we come to this last, this last uh, full sermon on, in our series of Revelation, I want to take a step back and just kind of remember where we've come, where we've gone. And I hope for, for all of us, the Revelation has been something that is a little less intimidating now. We realized it was for, written as a, from a real person to real people at a real time, to, to, to encourage people and to walk with Jesus, just like it can encourage, encourage us today. 
even though it's written in some language we're not used to, this apocalyptic genre, it's, it's something we could, you, you, without, you don't have to have a PhD to figure out and get good stuff out of it. It's good. I hope also Revelation has been inspiring. As we saw this glorious throne room scene and saw this lamb, this lamb who was slaughtered on our behalf to be able to unlock and open God's great uh, redemptive purposes for the world. And, you know, one of the main reasons we chose Revelation, <coughs> excuse me, was, uh, was that we, we wanted to be, I, I asked students at the, at the end of last semester, what do you hope for in, in our sermon series and our sermons at chapel? They said, for us, just challenge us. Challenge us. And we thought, well, let's just choose the most challenging book in the whole Bible then. <laughs> that works. But not only challenging in the interpretation, but challenging the message. This message that says, God, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. And the, the question of Revelation really is, will we live our lives with God as our primary king or not? And that's a challenging question. I think we've all been challenged by that. And this is a message, see, that's not just for, for one political party. It's not just for Democrat or Republican or independent or conservative or liberal or moderate. This is a message and a challenge to us all. All of us hear the same challenge. Are we going to live with our allegiance to God alone as our true king? Are we going to live that way or not? And then that allegiance to God critiques us and leads all of us to question again, what are my thoughts about how I live in this world? How do I think about social issues that are out there? How do I wrestle with these things and grapple with them? And then the amazing thing about Whitworth is we get to be in a community where we are going to be with people who have some different takes on how we're going to live out that allegiance to God as king, and we can listen to them and learn from them as we express our views too, because there are different ways to do it. And we can learn from each other as we all come together and try to answer this question more and more wholeheartedly. God, I want you to be my true king, and I want my whole life and my decisions in this world and our decisions as a country and my, our thoughts as a community to reflect that as best as I can help it. When we start doing that, then we stop fighting each other and wasting all this energy fighting each other and start fighting what actually needs to be fought, the beast and the dragon, the evil in this world, and we can stand together even when we might disagree about some ways that plays out on the ground. That's one of the challenges and part of the challenge for this semester in Revelation is how do we live that out with God as king? And today we come to another challenging topic. We couldn't pass it over. We couldn't come to Revelation and, and, and not have a sermon on God's wrath. I mean, God's wrath is full. It's all in there. It's, you, you, it's more than half of the book is directly God's wrath being poured out on this earth. So what do we do with it? We're going to dive into it today. Dive into God's wrath today. We're not going to shy away from a challenging topic. We're going to step right into it. And this is something that, just so you know, it, it, we can't, in this, this sermon time, we can't unpack the whole thing. It's something that all of us wrestle with, and we're going to keep wrestling with through our whole lives. In some ways, this was part of my impetus for going and trying to do a PhD, because I, I've said, i got to keep figuring out who God is and, this, and how we, this works together. So we're not going to figure out today. We're going to keep wrestling with it. We're going to wrestle with these questions, like Israel and God sending Israel into the, into the Canaanites and having them destroy them all, or, or Noah and the ark. It's not just a pretty children's story, right? Or, or Sodom and Gomorrah, these questions of God's wrath. We're going to wrestle with them. Some of you will get to take Jeremy Wynn's class wrestling with God's wrath, but all of us will wrestle with it. But today we're going to get a start. We're going to start. And my question is, 
okay, if Jesus is one who comes bringing the good news, right? The good news. The gospel is good news. Is God's wrath good news? That's the question I would ask today. Is God's wrath, can God's wrath be good news? Let's ask that question together. As we go into that question, the first thing we think about is, what, what is God's wrath? How do we think about God's wrath? And we often think of a picture like this. This God, this God is kind of angry, judge, ready to kind of just, you know, punch you in the gut and just ready to get you, right? This is the God who, who you, you don't really know what you're going to get. Is God going to be happy or, or mad right now? Uh, I'm not sure. Flip a coin. And, and God's wrath then, in this, in this picture, is, is, this, is God can kind of do whatever he wants. I know none of you are ever this mean as a child, but, but maybe it's like when you see, you know, their ants crawling around on the, on the, on the sidewalk, you're like, oh, I got that one. You know, I got that one. Oh, that one, I'll let them live. I kind of been feeling kind today. Oh, that one, that's a red one. Ah, you know. I hope you don't judge me now. <laughs> that's, what, that's capriciousness of God. We think of, we think of God's wrath. God just chooses, nah, I'm just going to strike them, don't like them, sit, do what I want with them. That's one way we think of God's wrath often. That's, any of you think that, feel like that sometimes? It's a picture you've heard of or thought of? Maybe a little extreme, but it's another, another way, another picture we might think of, though, is we think of Jesus, right? There's Jesus. Okay, so Jesus, gentle, loving, kind, reaching out to, to us in and, and, and love. We sing about it all the time, reaching out to the vulnerable and the marginalized especially. How do we hold those two pictures together? We, we struggle, right? And the church has struggled with this from the very beginning, Jerry could tell us all about it. The really one, of the, the probably the, the, the first really well-defined heresy in the history of the church was this guy Marcion, who came along and said, um, "Yeah, I can't hold those two together. I can't go between this nice Jesus and this angry God. Nice Jesus, angry God. It's too confusing. So we're just going to split them up, right?" <laughs> well done, Brendan. <laughs> so Marcion says, "We're just going to split them up." We'll say, okay, the Old Testament God, that's, that's not the real God. The New Testament God we see in Jesus, that's the real God. We like him. He's nice to us. We're going to choose him. And two gods, one lesser, one greater. And the church said, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. There's one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through the whole of Scripture, is the one true God the God revealed in Jesus, the same God revealed to Israel, the same God in Revelation who comes to us by his spirit. That one God, it's one God. And so it's, you can't do that, Marcion. We're not going there. Somehow, those two hold together. And I think actually Revelation helps us see it today. So Revelation, at the end of our New Testament, don't, don't, don't be thinking there's no, no wrath in the New Testament. Probably one of the most wrath-filled books is the very last one in our New Testament, Right? So Revelation 6 through 16 is the series of God's wrath being poured out on earth. The series of, of first seven seals, then seven trumpets, then seven uh, bowls or plagues. So these sevens, these completeness of God's wrath, they're actually kind of all inter, interwoven within each other. God's wrath being poured out in these various, these various events happening on earth. And then we saw last week, 17 and 18, where God's wrath is being poured out on this empire, Rome, with all of its political and economic and military might and injustice and power, and God's condemning that. More wrath. So basically, chapters 6 through 18 is almost all God's wrath in various ways being poured out. Can this be good news? Remember, we're asking that question. Can this be good news? We come today to, to chapter 19, then, after all, that, after all that line, we come to really the pinnacle of God's expression of his wrath, 
And it's in chapter 19. I want you to, to just, just listen this time because Revelation is so visual. I want you to be able to try to see it kind of as I read it. So you can close your eyes if you want to. We're going to read Revelation. I'm going to read Revelation 19, 11 through 16. It says this. Then I saw heaven opened, and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name inscribed that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, wearing fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name inscribed, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is the picture that we get of this rider on the white horse bringing the word of God, bringing the wrath of God, treading the winepress of God's wrath. And as named the word of God, it's named the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, has a scepter in his hand. He's coming to rule. The king is coming. He's coming with a sword in his mouth speaking judgment. He's coming to judge, coming to bring God's wrath. Could this be good news? Could this rider white horse be good news? Well, see, it's not just that, though, with those pieces. There's also another name. Did you hear it at the beginning? He's called, you can leave it up if you want, Brennan. He's called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. He has more to him. And he comes to us, not just as name, but in a robe, but a robe dipped in blood. Presumably, his own blood. His robe was dipped in his own blood, blood that was shed for us. See, if you saw the hands of this rider on the white horse, you would see the hands actually have scars in them. And his side, if you lifted up the mail, you'd see the scar there too. This rider on the white horse is one who actually has suffered on behalf of us and of this world. This actually is the lamb who is slaughtered. The king and the lamb, this amazing juxtaposition and revelation there, both are true. This king is the one who has actually suffered. So this one who's bringing the wrath is also this one who has suffered on our behalf and also has these names, faithful, true, and righteous. How do those relate to this judgment and wrath? How do they relate Starts out, he said, God is true and righteous. He's true and righteous. As this rider and white horse is true and righteous, he opposes everything that is untrue and unrighteous. Who he is, this rider rides in in truth and righteousness and opposes anything that is not that. This is like, this is what happens when a, in, in a dark room, when a candle comes in a dark room. No matter how dark it is, that little tiny candle is going to push back all the darkness that a whole room, a room this big. We could have one little candle in here. If it were pitch black, it would push back all the darkness. This is what's true. This is the rider on the white horse. He is true and righteous and pushes back all evil. He condemns. He looks at evil and says no because he is opposed to it. It is against who he is. It is the opposite of who he is. No, I will not stand for evil and untruth and lies in this world. 
I will condemn it. I will judge it. I will pour out wrath on it. That's what the rider of the right white horse does. So why does he judge? He judges because he's fighting, condemning, standing against what is evil and untrue in the world. Another name this rider has is faithful. Faithful. See, this rider is faithful to those he has made, to his people, those he's, he's reached out to in covenant love. He's faithful. And when he sees those in this world being corrupted, destroyed, demolished, he says no. And his no is wrath. Is judgment. It's like when we get a virus, and I know sickness is going around, you know, wash your hands. And if you get a virus, our body, if our immune system works right, our body says, wait, wait, wait a second. This thing's in our body that's trying to destroy our body. No. We'll not, we're not, we're not going to stand for that. And our immune system stands up and destroys that which is going to destroy us. This rider who's faithful is faithful to destroy that which destroys and gets in the way of his purposes, his covenant purposes for his people and for the world. He stands against that and in wrath says no. Is this good news? Is this good news for us? That there's one, a rider on a white horse who's coming, who says no to evil, who says no to untruth, who says no to that which would oppose and destroy and, and get in the way of, derail God's purposes for his created order. He says no to that. And that no is God's wrath. And kind of like a fever when our body's immune system gets going, it sometimes even feels like fire. As he burns away the evil in our world and in us. Some of us here come from places where, where this might be a little more easy to, to, to palate, to be a little more palatable. Thank you. And... There are people who come from places where you see evil a lot. Evil faces us every day, and we see that the corruption, the evil, the injustice happening all around us. And some of us today feel that way. And we say, of course God's wrath is good news. Because I see the evil. I taste the evil injustice. If you live in a country that didn't have so many freedoms and protections as America, you, we would be saying a lot more. Of course I want God to come and judge, because every day I see the evil and the corruption and the oppression going on. Here, maybe it's a little harder to see, maybe not, depending on who you are and, your, and your, what's your story. But God and the rider on the white horse comes to judge, to condemn, to stand up against evil. And I'd say that's good news. Even evil inside of us. Because that evil needs to be burned away too. Evil inside of us that God says, no, that's not what I made you for. That's not how it's meant to be. That part also, God says no. There's so much more we could say. In Revelation 15 and 16, if we check it out, there's, we see that God's wrath is boundary. God's wrath is not, not a part of who God is. There's going to be a time when God no longer is wrathful. Isn't that great? Because there'll be no, no more evil. Once God has condemned evil once and for all, evil will be gone, and God will not have to be wrathful anymore. It's, it's because God is wrathful as a result of his faithfulness and love and righteousness. When evil is no more, his wrath will be no more needed. And we will be grateful for that. God's wrath is, is actually meant to be a witness to the nations, that all nations would come and praise God because God is the one who condemns evil, and we all need that and want that. God's wrath, actually, in Revelation... Is meant to be an invitation to repentance. Did you know that? Read chapter 16 and see how the people didn't repent, sadly, when God was pouring out his wrath in these warning signs. 
God's wrath is an expression of his faithfulness and love for his people. And so God's wrath, I would say, is good news. Banjo, come up. God's wrath is good news because God hates evil. God condemns evil. And God reaches out to us in this world as an invitation to repent from evil and receive his forgiveness in Jesus, the lamb who is slaughtered on our behalf, the one who took our condemnation, the one who took judgment on himself so that once and for all evil would be done with, gone forever. He did it on the cross as the first installment and the, as the rider on the white horse, he comes, he'll come to finish the job so evil will be no more. Let's worship and rejoice in that God. Praise him together, the one who is defeating evil in his wrath and judgment for us. And so we know this God and we exalt this God who is high above the earth, the one who condemns all evil. And so in response to God's redemptive good news judgment on evil, let's be people who rejoice that we know the victor and the victory. Let's be people who repent and say no to evil in our lives as God condemns it and says no to it. And let's be people who reach out to a world who needs to know God's loving mercy and judgment on evil, who needs to know God's freedom from evil, who needs to know that God wins the victory over evil. And we get to be the ambassadors of that in word and deed. Let us be people who rejoice in the good news of God's love and mercy expressed in his condemnation of evil today and forevermore. Amen. Hope you have a great day.